Hello, everyone, and welcome to Call Your Hits, a Stormriders Airsoft podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In today's episode, Pat and I are going to talk a little bit about a game that we recently played at Frontline. It was uh, last Saturday, actually. And a lot of different things occurred during this game. And, and I think it's worth f- taking the time for us to unpack several of the different things because they have very different implications for what airsoft looks like for us, I guess, um, when we're on the field and also when we're thinking about our kit ahead of time, when we're preparing our, you know, our guns for the game and doing upgrades and all, and all this kind of stuff. And they have an impact in terms of, you know, the morale of the day, in terms of how we actually perform on the field and how we leave the field feeling, right? Like, I mean, all of us play airsoft for fun, you know, it's a hobby that we do. And when you leave the field, you feel a particular way. Most of the time we have a really good time. Sometimes we don't. And it's important to think about what are the different things that contributed to that to make sure that you can do more of that in the future and less of the things that maybe sort of bring you down or are annoying or what have you. I I think it's going to be entertaining for you guys to hear about the fact that the last time we played, uh, we were trialing a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, Just a pile of different gear got tested out and messed around with um, leading up to the game. Uh, I worked on no less than six guns uh, in the five days before that game with varying levels of success. Uh, And so it created a very uh, memorable, I think, uh, experience for us. Uh, Some positives, some negatives. Yeah. And and to be clear, like this wasn't like a particular scenario or a big game that was being run in front. It was just a regular open game on the weekend, drop in, play as many games as you want. And um, we had talked a little bit ahead of time to make sure that we would have sort of everything that we needed and blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't organized. And we knew when we'd show up, we'd get split up into random teams and, you know, yada, yada. That That's not really, that wasn't really the factor for us. But like Pat said, there was a lot of different things in terms of our gear that we were trying out. And that leads to a bunch of different situations. So what we're going to talk about uh, obviously, we're going to give you a rundown of the different things that we were trialing and sort of what our experiences were and our sort of takeaways from that are, and also describe sort of the types of games that we played that day and how it went. So I guess the first place to start is, all right, so it was a 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. sort of day, right? How many games did we play in that time? Not enough. <laughs> yeah, not enough, right? And I, that's the first place that I want to that I really want to start because when you show up at an airsoft game, there really should be some sort of like expectations set between the players and the refs and people who are running the game and so on. And when we showed up at 10, we started getting the gear, you know, ready going on so forth. And by 1115, we had played two games, right? Which if you think about it, two games in an hour and 15 minutes is not very long. Uh, not very many, I should say. And they were short games, Right. So at that point, I went to the ref and I said, hey, like, it's 11.15. We've played two games so far in an hour and 15. Our time is almost half up. Like, can we maybe speed this up a little bit and get more games in? Because we're all trying to get as much gaming time in. And although it's fun to sit around and chat, 
but we're wanting to get back on the field. So can we sort of speed things up? And I didn't do that in a sort of a, a dickish sort of way. It was just like, listen, this is just a matter of fact, right? And he was like, oh yeah, man, no problem. Sorry about that. Let's get, let's get to it. And then for the rest of the day, that was great. Like we were sort of picking up the pace a little bit. I mean, did we play as many games ultimately as we could have? No, but having those conversations is really, really important, right? And it was important to us too, because we have gear that we want to test. We want to test it as much as we can in the three hour time span that we have, right? And I mean, it's it's worth noting here, right? Like the ref isn't completely at fault. Like you get no, different definitely. quantities of players who are different levels of motivated to get out and, and go, go, go. Uh, and it happened to be a day where all of us were like, yeah, I want to be playing as much as possible today because um, we hadn't played in a while or we actually had six guys from our team out for a change, which is awesome. Uh, you know, it was better than the usual four, and I had just spent a bunch of time doing mad science. <laughs> I really wanted to see how it all went. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and so um, the the more leisurely pace was, I guess, grinding our gears a little bit, uh, where yeah. often it wouldn't. And that's okay. I, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with being like, God, I can't believe it's been an hour and fifteen. We've played two games, right? Absolutely. You know, you're you're going out of your way to find time to do this thing you enjoy. You want to do it. <laughs> right. But the only thing I would say there is, you know what, if you're just complaining about the time, you're just complaining about the time, right? If you're actively looking for a solution, then you should be talking to the people who can actually do something about it. And this is what I did, which is go to the ref and be like, hey, can we speed it up? Right. Literally. And so if you find that is happening at your games or in your community, whether there's a ref or not, there's nothing wrong with saying to the guys being like, you know what, like I'm here for two hours, I'm here for four hours or however long it is. Like, I would like to get more games in, please. Can we, can we sort of speed it up? And chances are people will be generally receptive to that. But anyway, I'm, I'm sort of digressing a bit. I think when we showed up for the game, the first thing that I want to talk about is the fact that my personal rifle is still sort of in sick bay. It's, you know, in the repair shop, under repairs in the garage, whatever. Uh, and it's not where it needs to be. And so Pat would very generously let me use his body, his rifle, etc., which uh, I did last week, or sorry, the week before last. And that was really, really good. And I used his rifle sort of, uh, in its normal configuration. Whereas this week, uh, for reasons that Pat will get into in a second, I used his rifle, but with a couple of different tweaks. And uh, when I hit the field, it was not really ready for my use in the sense that it was not sighted in and all this kind of stuff. The hop-up wasn't dialed in. It had just been put back together, which Pat had done during the week. And right out the gate, that means that there's a certain amount of time that I need to put in as a player to make sure that it's performing the way that I want to. Um, and that means setting the hop up, that means sort of dialing in the optic as, as best as I can and all this kind of stuff. And I'll be completely honest with you, I did not do that. I set the hop up, I was like, nah, good enough, right? And then I just sort of waited for the first game. And that was probably my first mistake of the day, but we'll, we'll, continue, uh, we'll continue that story a little bit later. I mean, the thing I wanna throw out there, because I actually do think it's, valuable is that you know we right from day one right uh of of this team with just phil and i we brought different skill sets to the table um well that's why we're friends i mean we we have very different skill sets pat and i are, are are similar in some ways but we are very different individuals that bring a lot of like pat brings a lot of attention to detail which let me tell you i do not have right and at the same time, you bring a lot of dynamism and sort of energy to stuff that, you know, I'm, I'm not um, 
lazy as such, but like I'm I'm a I'm a slower boulder to get rolling. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a bit more of a perhaps bulldozer. <laughs> it might be the right analogy. <laughs> so I it's worth noting here that like there's nothing wrong with looking at the fiddle, kind of fiddly task of like, okay, eh, dial in the hop up, dial in the optic, eh, as a thing you don't really want to do in the pre-game situation. Um and in retrospect, you know, it feels like, you know, the first thing I did wrong that day was probably not actually taking the time to do that. And well, the first thing I did wrong was not taking it from you and doing it in the time we had, mm -hmm. right? Because I don't mind doing that. It's it's not a thing that I find particularly irritating. Um, yes, it does require, like, attention to detail, but, you know, arguably I'm better at that in some ways. Um, and, like... In most ways. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but, I mean, that's not an indemnation of you as a person, right? Like No, for sure. The, the lesson to take away from it is not, oh, Phil should have done that. Um, it's Phil and Pat should have gotten that done because we know each other really well and we know yeah. the strengths and weaknesses, right? And the whole point of the team mentality is, yeah, we work together. We are more than the software uh, of our parts, right? Definitely. Now, that being said, I guess I should also tell you why that needed to be done in the first place, right? Um, so I've run that rifle in a... Uh, longer configuration with a uh, 455 millimeter barrel barrel extension on the M4 for about two inches of re uh, length over a carbine um, for mm, four years, somewhere in there. Yeah, it's a fantastic configuration. It's done really, really well for me. Why would I change that? Yeah. So Steph, uh, who we had on talking about HPA stuff uh, a couple of weeks ago, convinced me to try building a HPA gun, and. Honestly, um, there was some of it was his is really cool and shiny. <laughs> um, part of it's, you know, I, I wanted to try working on a new thing, right? I do enjoy teching on airsoft guns. I enjoy playing around with them. And so going, oh, you know, this is a, a cool toy to play with. Sounded really fun. And I went and looked into it. And, you know, I have a spare body that's been waiting for a gun to go into it for a while. And I was like, yeah. I'm just going to build this, and if I love it, awesome. I'll keep it and suck up the money that I spent and giggle. Or I'll hate it and I'll sell it. No problem. And I will add, just knowing you the way that I have for so long and for people listening, it also presented you the opportunity to learn something new, right? And it's a new challenge, which, of course, you know, if you're anything like us, um, learning new things and being challenged by new things is is definitely a big motivator. Right. Once stuff in knowledge sort of gets stale, you're sort of like looking for that next thing to sort of push your uh, your knowledge and your education and uh, really your your worldview sort of to expand it. And I think that was a perfect segue for you, knowing that I also knew that you were sort of like not bored, but sort of done with teching in terms of in a broader scale. Right. Like, you know what? I've done it so much like I'm I'm kind of out, whereas this is like a brand new challenge, completely different. And I don't think it could be any different from your sort of quote-unquote conventional airsoft teching, right? For sure. And I mean, I'm I'm done with teching in the sense that like I have zero desire to work on guns for random people. Um, yeah, yeah. To clarify on what Phil's saying, like he, he knows what he's saying, but I just want to make sure the audience does. I enjoy working on the guns of my team because it makes them happy and gives them good toys to go pew-pew with. Um, but I've reached the point where more or less rather than charging them money, I'm like, buy the parts and come hang out with me. Right, yeah. shoot the shit with me yeah. for a couple hours while I build your airsoft gun. Great. The uh, benefit in terms of like this specifically, like, yeah, I don't, I don't need to tweak my gun build very much. Um, my AR has been the same for four years, and 
uh, if you sawed it in half, I'd just be like, all right, I'll build another one. <laughs> and I know how. Actually, the most it's the most different it's ever been in the last four years is what it was last Saturday. Yeah, right. Which is <laughs> uh, which is pretty fun. So what ended up happening uh, is I ended up grabbing a uh, VFC IAR M27 off the shelf and uh, putting a Kythera kit in it as a sort of uh, treat to myself. And I'm not going to get too much into what the Kythera does or how it works beyond, you know, it's a semi-automatic HPA system by Polarstar. Uh, go listen to the episode with Steph and he'll tell you all about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell you, uh, after about 15 hours of tinkering, it is fiddly. Not unfun to work on. Um, not unrewarding to work on, but fiddly. And I mean, in fairness, this is Airsoft. Everything's fiddly. Mm-hmm. Um, I did benefit, relative to Steph, uh, from his experience and from having some tools that make some of the stuff easier. Uh, I own a, uh, a Fordham, which is a really a really high-end uh, remote-line rotary tool, uh, courtesy of my paternal grandfather, and a few other things that I picked up just, you know, working on miniatures uh, and tacking for so long. I've got, a, I've got an okay toolbox. <laughs> um, so I put this thing together. I put the R-hopped barrel from my uh, stout standard rifle that I've been using into it because I'm like, look, I don't have time to make another R-hopped barrel. I'll get to how it performed in a few minutes. Um, then I took my AR, chopped the barrel extension off, not actually chopped it, just removed it, uh, put a uh, M4 length type bore in it and was like, yeah, this will be good. I'll air hop this because I have the M4 length spare Promi type bore 6.03. And then I found out that I'd run out of air hop patches and hadn't ordered any. Um, I had three left, but therefore. Um, sniper rifle and or gas blowback barrels. They don't fit in AEGs to my consternation. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I had a brief moment of like, oh God, what have I done? Uh, and then I said, well, one of the things that I picked up in my ongoing effort to uh, get Phil's rifle to work with his max hop was uh, a couple of uh, Maple Leaf MR hop buckings. So they're meant to replicate an air hop by just being a put on and go bucking. Uh, and I had two of them uh, from different years. They changed the design a little bit. And I wanted to see how they performed. And I was like, well, Phil is going to be using this rifle. I'll make him do the testing. And that way I know I'm getting reliable data, right? And I'm getting someone who I know will not bullshit me on the quality and the effectiveness of it. And also uh, I'll get to stress test it a bit because he, you know, will run a few rounds through. Ah, uh, yes, there it is. I was waiting for that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. So, yeah. Um, and brought it out and eh, some issues there, uh, which I'll let Phil talk about in a minute. Uh, so the M27, um, I, uh, <laughs> the, the womp womp moment for me was I realized on Friday night that I didn't actually have anything to put the, uh, air bottle in, right? The tank for the HBA in. Uh, and so one of my friends who is a ex paintballer generously, uh, tossed one at me <laughs> to try and I was like all right we have a a ghetto set up for today but it'll do mm-hmm. um pretty sure I saw Steph with his uh air tank in his like pants pocket at some point so it's not that ghetto let's be honest <laughs> I guess there are degrees <laughs> um in fairness I think Steph chose violence like <laughs> but hey whatever works right so so far we've got your technically your m4 rifle that is now m4 length and down from m16 length with a maple leaf MR hop bucking. 
um, it's got a rotary hop-up unit in there that's not a Max. It's uh, something different. I can't remember the brand. It's not really important. Um, so, and then everything else internally being the same. And then we've got your M27, VFC M27 with a brand new Kythera kit in it and a remote line and a tank that's dangling off your body, which you have never really done before. Those are the two new things. And then for those of you who may have listened to the podcast in the past and maybe listened to, to future episodes, you would know how really we don't, uh, we don't necessarily believe in the necessity for like LMGs. Like we don't think they're particularly useful. And really we've never found ourselves in a situation where we're in a firefight or something. And we're like, man, I really wish I had an LMG right now. So naturally Pat had to go and build one. Pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> About a month and month ago, month and change, uh, I played a game and uh, we talked about it in the episode. I had my gun went down uh, and I ended up using a bunch of what our team had bought. And one of the things that they brought along was a Mark 46. Uh, and prior to that, Steph had been talking to me about HBA guns a whole lot. Um, and I'd looked into the idea of HPAing a M249. Uh, because one of the few situations where I have seen a uh, squad support weapon like on the field at Airsoft and been like, oh God, I don't want to go over there, uh, was a local guy running a 249 uh, or uh, maybe a stoner. I'm not sure. Anyway, it doesn't really matter what model it was. It was HPA'd and it shoots a million BBs a second uh, and it shoots very hard and pretty accurately. Uh, and so Steph got me um, in the mood to poke at the puzzle of LMGs because I'd owned a Mark 46 uh, and it was a large contributor to my thinking that support weapons in airsoft were useless garbage. Uh, mm. It didn't do anything ever. Um, and one of the reasons that it didn't do anything was, you know, um, Fong and myself both worked on it and we could never really get it to have a decent air seal with anything. It just mm -hmm. did not work. Uh, and so I went and actually did some digging and it turns out that the stock hop-up units in your, at least, um, you know, NATO 5.56 LMGs, Mark 46, um, the stoner, I can't remember, 43? The, the odd little stoner configuration that they did a couple of years back, uh, and obviously the uh, M249 in all of its configurations, all have a really shitty cast aluminum hop-up unit that doesn't actually mate very well with any of the rest of the internal parts of the gun. Uh, and most importantly... Uh, where most uh, nubs in most hop-up units are some sort of rubberized material, um, providing a sort of springy tension for the BB to hit, uh, it uses a steel ball bearing. Uh, so uh, it turned out that since the last time I'd looked, uh, a Russian company uh, had released um, a CNC-machined hop-up unit for M249s that allegedly fixed a whole bunch of those issues. I was like, oh, that's really cool. It also turns out uh, that uh, Cal uh, has had a 249 para in his closet for the last mm. five years. Uh, he just hasn't used it. Um, if you've followed our videos and stuff, there's you've seen some videos of him using it potentially. Um, certainly, uh, we did a photo shoot a few years ago and he brought it out for that because it looks really cool. Mm -hmm. um, but it just has not been a go-to tool for him in play. Uh, and his reasoning was that it just didn't shoot very well. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that, you know, uh, well, I mean, when I, when I finished building what I brought to the field and got him to fire it, he was like, oh my God, it shoots like an AEG, 
which gives you a fair idea of the performance he was expecting. Mm -hmm. uh, so I put that in. I put a um, M4 length Mad Bull Seal Bull 6.03 because uh, I had one. Um, and uh, one of those Maple Leaf MR hop patches or MR hop uh, buckings in and brought it up to the field to test it um, because, hey, it I could get the parts. I'm a madman and I wanted to try to make an LMG work well. I think realistically, if I'm being honest, my primary motivators were shooting the thing at a whole bunch of people and catching a bunch of people in a choke point was really, really fun that time that I was playing previously. Mm -hmm. And I really have been annoyed for several years that I just couldn't get it working. It offends me that it would not serve my purposes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it shoots much, much better. It has greater accuracy, um, as you'd expect from the Type 4 barrel. Uh, but the new hop-up unit is just amazing. Uh, it's much, much more consistent. The air seal is much better. It is, in every way, significantly more effective. To be fair, though, I don't think that's a, too much of an ask compared to what it was before. Uh, totally, totally. You know, it's it's <laughs> you know it's gone from being, like, you know, garbage to a stock airsoft gun with a couple of gentle upgrades uh, that shoots really fast and fires a whole bunch of BBs. Mm. Um, not bad. On the flip side, we had the uh, MR hop, the maple leaf bucking in your rifle. And I had the chance basically to use your rifle in its previous configuration. So with a full length R hop barrel and all the setup one week. And then this rifle, which is essentially the same, except it has a shorter barrel with the MR hop instead of the, the regular hop. And I was able to really... Uh, for lack of better terms, uh, compare and contrast uh, the two. And, Regrettably, uh, as it turns out. Yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, that was not a great experience. So obviously, testing out something, you're never going to be as good as, or your performance won't be necessarily as good as it is normally, uh, or as you what you would expect. And for me, that was a real, that was a big bummer. Because I knew what I was capable of with that rifle the weekend prior, and so hitting the field... I was not able to do the kinds of things that I had done before. And part of that is, as I, we said at the beginning, I didn't spend the time necessarily to dial it in the way that I probably should have. That being said, even if I had done those things, there is no question that the trajectory and flight path of the BBs out of the MR hop were nowhere near as flat, as consistent, and as long range as the regular R hop patch in the slightly longer barrel. So we're talking about like a, like a, what, like 90 millimeter difference. So like nine centimeters. So it's like two inches or very close to two inches, right? And the difference. Um, previously, I would have said, and I'm, I, I think I may even have said so on the podcast, is like, you know what? I'm not really sure how much that, you know, nine centimeters is really making a difference to your range and accuracy and consistency. And I'm here to tell you that having experienced that last weekend, really does make a difference. Like there is no question in my mind now that that extra nine centimeters, does it mean that you go from shooting 150 feet accurate to 200 feet accurate? No. But what it does mean is that last weekend I was accurately putting rounds between 150 to 175 feet. And I, I know that range because I ranged it after the fact uh, on Google Maps, like figuring out what the distances that I was shooting at. Uh, compared to you know what I, what it was on the field. Technology is great. <laughs> so yeah, to give you a point of reference for those of you who are familiar with our field, I was in the top of the old two-story building. I was 
effectively engaging, maybe not super accurately, but still effectively engaging targets uh, in the sniper tower and, and a bit beyond, which is approximately 150 to 160 feet away. Compare that to what I was doing this weekend, where I was incapable of effectively engaging targets 150 feet away, right? And what I mean by that is, could I reach 150 feet? Yes, I could. But was I able to do so effectively and consistently? No, I was not. And you might say, well, that's because I didn't take the time ranging it in and all this kind of stuff. And that may be true. But the simple fact is that extra range and accuracy that I'm getting from that nine centimeters really did make a huge difference. I was missing a lot of shots on Saturday that I would not have missed two weeks ago. And to me, on the day of, that was extremely frustrating. Now, I recognize that we were testing stuff and maybe my expectations shouldn't have been for me to be like a quote unquote rock star with my gun at the time. But the reality is when you're in it, that's not sort of what you're thinking. You're not like shooting at people and missing and going, oh, well, that's just a test. It's like, no, I need to hit that guy because he's going to hit somebody else. And I don't want that to happen. And to be right? clear, you know, uh, we've been doing this a long time. Yeah, we can walk rounds on the target. No problem. Um, but when you're firing and A, you're expecting, you know, first or second round hits and you're not getting them, that is frustrating. Uh, yeah. And B, because uh, I also had one of these um, MR hot buckings in the 249, uh, they change the flight profile, right? So one of the reasons that you'll yeah. see people talk about, oh man, like our hops are really, really good, is that they change the way the BB flies markedly relative to a standard hop-up, right? So your standard hop-up, uh, you end up with an arc, right? You get sort of a parabolic trajectory. With... Uh, an R-hop, you get a long flat trajectory and then immediate drop. With a little curve right at the end and just drop, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so it goes straight for a long time and then sharply down. With the LMG, I didn't mind having to adjust to that, but it definitely was less effective than it would be with an R-hop. And I might order an R-hop patch and put it in that barrel and give it a try just for the mad fun of it. Mm -hmm. The drawback uh to having to switch to that parabolic trajectory is that we haven't used anything that shot like that in five or six years or more uh yeah so it's a stark change it is in my opinion mechanically just worse uh, i was really impressed with the with the bucking in the sense that yeah you get a lot of distance like it, for a stock bucking it's really really good distance and uh, for the tech folks out there, we were not using the maple leaf nub that's meant, air quotes, to go with them. Uh, I'm sure that would have perf had a positive impact on the performance as well, but I don't think it would have taken it to what we wanted it to be. Definitely. Um, in either case. And I would echo that. I mean, when I was sighting in initially, like just fiddling with the, with the hop-up adjustment, I definitely got a fair amount of range. Uh, as much range as I was getting with my previous rifle, uh, which, I mean, is not really saying a whole lot in its current state, but that's beside the point. Um, for a stock bucking, I'm like, yeah, just not bad. Like, I was I was not mad at it in any way, shape, or form. However, if I compare that to the results I was getting from the Arhop patch, the, you know, the week previous, it was, you know, it, it, there still is a, a big drawback. So I, I would say, if you're not looking at spending the time that is required to put an R-hop in your gun and all you want to do is slap a part in and get a performance increase, 
I'm not, I, I, I think you would get that from this part, but if you're, what you're yeah. trying to get is like, we are, I mean, at, at our sort of, for lack of a better term point in our airsoft playing career, so to speak, it's not really getting us where we need to go. Right. But yeah, it's $20. Um, some of the reading that I'd done was like, yeah, you know, this part gives you sort of 70% of what an air hop will without the fiddly effort of making an air hop patch up and doing the work. Now I don't mind doing that right i've done it i'm not really afraid of making our hops anymore cool. yeah but that sounded neat uh, and simultaneously uh maple leaf buckings are supposed to go great in the max hop up that we were still trying to cobble into phil's rifle yeah so they were also something that i'd ordered for that testing pool so you know i'm like well i'm spending 40 bucks but i'm spending it for a couple of reasons good enough yeah and i'd say 70 percent of the way it's pretty accurate i'd say i mean i mean i don't really have any sort of gauge but just on my experience on saturday i'd say was it you know half as bad as my regular album like no probably not um if i had enough time sort of behind the gun so to speak to sight it in get accustomed to it and you know get you readjusted to that sort of more parabolic arc uh, would that be okay? Like, probably. Yeah, I think I think you'd end up at a perfectly respectable yeah. um, sort of, you know, 100, 110 feet. Yeah, this works great at that range. It doesn't give quite the, the feels good of the R-hop uh, in those contexts, but, like, before I R-hopped my gun, um, I, I'll admit I was dubious that R-hops were as good as they were cut out to be until one of my friends bought a gun with one in it, and we went, ooh, yeah, we're learning how to do that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I used a, a flat hop bucking and a flat nub for that, and it was good, right? I have no complaints about how that gun shot at all. Um, but the air hop made a big difference. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm I'm sold still on the air hop, but it's a cool part, and I can definitely recommend trying it out if you d are trying to get more range out of your gun and you uh, aren't convinced on wanting to put the effort into an air hop or pay someone the, frankly, ludicrous amount of money that often people want for them uh so yeah i i would call the the part in both guns kind of acceptable but not what we were looking for yeah right um which is you know not a glowing review but hey it, it i wanted it to turn my gun into an air hop by turning my hop up up further um which was sort of the the highest version of what people have been talking about it doing it doesn't do that mm -hmm. those people are not telling you the truth um they might think they are, but they're they're off, at least in my experience and opinion. Yeah, and I would there agree with that. I mean, I've used an R-Hop almost exclusively now for, I don't know, five years, six years, maybe even a little bit longer than that. And I definitely noticed a big performance, performance degree. Enough of a performance decrease, I will state, that I was actively frustrated almost all of Saturday, right? And that's, and I think, you know, just to, as a bit of a sidebar, that is an, a reality of trying stuff in Airsoft. It's not going to go the way you want to in some cases, and it will cause you to, in some cases, not have as much fun as you otherwise might have, right? And for me, that's strictly because I was hitting the field with a gun that felt unfamiliar, that was performing in a way that I did not expect and did not enable me to do the things that I normally do on the field. So I see a target, I am a target, I pull the trigger, target goes down. That was not happening, right? And that's because we were trying a bunch of stuff. And as I said before, conceptually, you might realize that, but at the time, 
when all you're trying to do is take that target out, your brain doesn't work that way, right? So you're just like, I shot that guy and he, he, you know, his hand didn't go up. So what the hell, man? That's really what's going on through your head at the time. And it's only now, like, you know, 48 hours later or whatever, I'm looking back on going like, yeah, I know what happened conceivably, but at the time that didn't feel that way. And I think it's really important to note that Phil was going from a gun that was working perfectly. It's, I, I really do think that my rifle was working close to as well as an AEG can work. Yeah, I would agree. Right? Um, and going from there to working okay is, you know, not ideal, right? I mean, the the techier folks amongst the audience will note, I didn't change out the cylinder. I didn't have time. Um, so, you know, we weren't getting quite the right voluming. So it was just not performing as well as it ought to have been really ideally. And to, to put some, to put some context around that, like the weekend or like two weeks ago or however long it was, I distinctly being, remember being on top of the old two series structure and taking a shot at someone 200 feet away. Right. And I got, I got that person like with three or four shots right? There was literally no way that the rifle I was using on Saturday last would be able to achieve that. It was just physically, the way that it was shooting, it was not possible. Like I could have maybe arced it and then tried to like mortar in the shots or whatever, but in four rounds, like it would not have been possible. Whereas when I was using your gun, and I mean, this is a testament to how good your teching is, Pat, like I raised the gun on target. I had the dot on the target. I went crack, 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 and then the hand went up. And I was like, all right, it was good enough for me. You can't really ask for better from an M16 length AEG, right? It's just, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, and so to segue there, so what I was running um, for better than half of the games uh, was the IAR. And yeah, so Phil had said that the hop-up was unwinding, and I didn't actually go and mess around with that specific thing too much. And I should have. Uh, because the screw that holds the uh, main wheel on the hop-up down had come loose. In his defense, it's only because I shot like 4,500 rounds through it in the span of one day, so whatever. I mean, possibly. (laughs) Uh, But it turns out, I think the Kythera uh, does vibrate a little more, um, or a little differently. Uh, So anyway. That's fair. uh, I essentially had a situation where like I dial the hop-up in in between games and then get 20 shots or 30 shots of good and then I'd have no hop-up. And I also hadn't taken the time to sight it in. Uh, Unlike Phil, I'm a little... I knew I was testing something completely different, so I was approaching things with a mindset of like, yeah, I'm probably going to have to meddle with this during the day, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to walk some shots on, no problem. Uh, So um, positives, the trigger is so crisp uh, it's extremely air efficient. It's really reliable. It's really accurate. It gives very, very c- consistent performance, except when your hop up's unwinding. Uh, I think it's easily the match of the the super tuned AEG um, with a lot of effort uh, and a lot of chin scratching and watching videos and reading stuff. Uh, probably less than I put in net over figuring out how I wanted my AEGs to work. Um, but I'm also significantly further along in teching stuff than I was at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very happy overall with the performance. Uh, you know, I was having to arc shots uh, into the 
um, into that same uh, sniper tower from the same position that Phil had been in, uh, but I could do it. Um, at two points during a game, uh, people went into the sniper tower and I couldn't kill them and get them out of there in that way. Uh, but I very easily convinced them that it was a terrible place to be and they left. Yeah, for sure. And that's, yep. that's acceptable, especially given that I was by then had shot several mags through it in that game and was not really getting very much out of my hop up unit. Uh, so I was very happy with that. Uh, I didn't find the line interfered with anything. Um, I got a shorter one than Steph by accident, and I probably will pick up a longer one because they're only like $30, $40. Uh, but mostly that is so that I can make the shoulder transitions easier. Um, and I found those a little hard throughout the day, but it had nothing to do with the line and everything to do with the fact that the M27 has a humongous stock on it. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is like, it's, it's meant to be really padded because they were thinking this was going to be firing, you know, a lot of rounds downrange really quickly and they wanted it not to beat up the operator too badly, but that's not really an issue for airsoft. Um, still on the whole, I had a huge amount of fun with that. Um, I had a lot of fun figuring out how to get it working. Um, I'm, I'm very happy with the performance of that. So I've since um, put the max hop up that uh, Phil had bought for his rifle into it. It's just, it's not working in his gun. I've tried every possible configuration four times. I've tried it with yeah, it's a bummer. Like three hop up rubbers uh, by three different manufacturers. Um, and I was just like, look, you know, I, I don't know what to do with it. And Phil's response was, you know what? You're having an issue where your hop up's unwinding. Toss it in your gun, see what happens. So I took off the main uh, spring left the top and bottom springs on the hop-up unit, put it in, it went in great. I tossed my mag into it, it fed fine. It did no, it provided no change in FPS. It did absolutely nothing other than go in, replace the hop-up unit that was there, and function. I haven't taken it out to, um, you know, wind it up and set the R-hop and zero it properly. I'm gonna try to do that early this week. Uh, but so far it does all the things it should in my gun, uh, which is awesome. Frustrating as hell, but awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, so I'm not entirely sure why that's the case. And I have some stuff that I'm going to try with Phil's gun, uh, also in the coming week. Uh, and I'll let you know how it goes. But, uh, my current plan is to go my gun back to its previous configuration and he can use that until I sort out his or throw it out a window, whichever comes first. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, one of the things Phil brought up after the game was that he probably wants me to reconfigure my rifle back to the longer configuration because even though he tends to be a door kicker, being able to just shoot people from a really long distance is great. <laughs> Yeah, and I think that's really where I sort of wanted to sort of finish off the episode and talk about, like, so for me, Saturday was a, a really frustrating sort of day at Airsoft. For Pat, it was a lot more of a, a learning sort of day of Airsoft, right? Like where, where he's looking at the things that he's using and trying to understand what's going on and stuff. And those kinds of days will happen, but you need to think about why it is that you're frustrated, right? And it's important to not lose sight. So like, I really love playing Airsoft. There's no question, right? Um, and on Saturday, I was like, you know what? Like, I 
could I have quit just right then? Like maybe, but that really is not going to solve the problem. I need to spend some time to understand what exactly am I frustrated about? What are the things that are really driving me crazy? And looking back on it, especially when I have enough time to sort of uh, get out of the emotional phase and go back to it like a logical sort of phase, I can look back on it and go, okay, well, you know what? My gun wasn't performing the way that I really wanted it to. And there's a variety of reasons for that, not least of which is the fact that we were just trying stuff out. My expectations were not in line with the reality of the situation, which again is to say that I had a brand new quote-unquote rifle using a different type of hop-up that I'm not familiar with that wasn't sighted in properly. And so as a consequence of that, I'm getting frustrated about things that are not working the way that I expect they should work, even though there is really no reason for them to work that way in the first place, right? And then the other piece around being frustrated, and this is just sort of in general, and if you're, you know, if you're younger and you're listening to this, this is maybe some dad advice for you. But generally speaking, when people get frustrated, they get frustrated because they don't necessarily have a way forward. They don't really know how to advance or how to get out of the situation that they're in currently. It's frustrating because you're like, I don't like the way that I feel and I don't really know any way that I can get out of this. And for a lot of people, that is frustrating. What you will find is that when people are frustrated and they figure out a plan of action, they tend to not be as frustrated anymore. Why is that? Well, it's because you kind of know what you need to do now, right? You've got to do this. You've got to knock that down. You're going to take care of this. You're going to do that. Boom. That's your plan of action. And so you're not frustrated because you're acting on things, right? You're going to go ahead and do stuff. And on Saturday... I was frustrated because my gun wasn't working the way that I wanted to. I didn't really know and understand the performance of my rifle. And I really had no idea how I was getting out of the situation. That being said, once I, for lack of a better term, calmed down and had a conversation with Pat and said to him, listen, you know what? I was frustrated. I apologize for being frustrated because that was just not... Uh, uh, you know, a really good situation. And, and as I said to Pat at the time, it's like when you're, when you care about someone, it sucks to see them frustrated, right? When I see my friends or when I see my wife frustrated about stuff, that sucks. Even if it's not my fault, it still sucks, right? So I apologize. I'm like, listen, I'm sorry that I was frustrated. It's not your fault. What are we going to do about this? And Pat and I came up with a great plan of action. And guess what? I'm not frustrated anymore because I know what's going to happen, right? For better or for worse and how much money it's going to cost me, I have a plan of action. And, you know, it's a plan of action that should result in pretty positive outcomes because one of the trends throughout this entire um, saga <laughs> with Phil's gun uh, has been him using mine intermittently because I wasn't playing or because I was like, yeah, use this and I'll use something else is just, you know, he came back to me a whole bunch of times and said, I really wish my gun shot like this. So I looked at him the other day and went, we can do that. It's just got to look like, <laughs> like yours. You know, it's, it's not magic. I, I can't transfer the rail for you because uh, King Arms bodies don't take uh, GNP rails Which... to my period. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a recurring annoyance. <laughs> um, but, you know, if uh, I asked Phil, you know, hey, do you want to, if you had to choose, would you pick the rail or it's shooting like mine? And Phil said, I wanted to shoot like yours, like no question. All right, game yeah. on. I know what I need to do there, right? That's uh, that is well within my 
uh, my possible set of solutions. And I, I do think that, you know, uh, an alternative is buying a GNP mech box and putting all the parts in it uh, and putting it in the GNP body and figuring out a hop-up to go with it uh, and having an M4 length rifle that will shoot like an M4 length rifle at peak performance. The answer is that's not going to shoot like mine. Mm-hmm. Right, that shot that Phil is telling me was like, man, I I want this to be a part of my toolbox is not a shot an R-hopped M4 with a uh, spring that fits within the rifleman limits for the fields we play at is going to do, right? You know, and it's not like, I don't know what I'm talking about and I can't do it. No, it's just, I can make it as good as I can make it. And I'm probably not going to get that um, because you're asking me for that extra bit of performance metric that you get out of having the slightly longer barrel. Yeah. And there's a reason we, we built it that way, right? It, uh, Fong and I have basically the same gun and it does work, right? It's, it's a very effective configuration. And as an added benefit, we've figured out a bunch of stuff in training in the last year, really, that helps mitigate the issue of having a longer rifle in closer quarters and trying to manipulate it around cover. And if Phil has played 10 hours in the last three months with my rifle and he has and has had zero issues with that aspect of things while maintaining his regular style of play. All right. Yeah. And that's, that's a really great point. (laughs) Like I, you know, if you asked me two years ago, like, Oh, can I use a rifle that is Pat's rifle length? I would have been like, no, like it's too big for me. I need a shorter rifle or an M4 length at a maximum. I really didn't have any issue utilizing your rifle. Right, breaking around cover, breaking it off my shoulder, like coming around corners, transitioning left side. Like I had issues in the sense that it was an unfamiliar rifle at the start, like utilizing the slaying and manipulation and stuff like that. But like last going off, it's like it it was just totally just fine. Right? Was I as fast as I was with the old Mark 18? Like maybe not. But I'm still plenty fast to take, you know, an offside corner and take two or three shots at the other guy before he even realizes I'm they're shooting at him from my offside, right? Now, it was frustrating last weekend because I would do that, exactly that, and I would come nowhere near to hitting that guy. And it's like, okay, well, this is stupid, right? I just dumped a mag at that guy and I'm not getting anywhere close. Like, I can't even walk him on target. So that's frustrating. And one of the problems you mentioned having during the day to me was that he was finding, you know, like, oh, they're going really wide. And I'm like, well, they're going wide of the site because the site's not dialed in. And the look was sort of like, oh, yeah. I'm just using the site by default because that's what I always do. Yeah. Right. And, you know, Phil has a huge amount of this trained into muscle memory, which is really, really good until you change something. (laughs) And it's interesting too, actually, you bring up muscle memory. And so maybe the last thing I want to talk about is like, I find that, and this is maybe an interesting just sort of tidbit, but I've played Airsoft a really long time. And even if I get frustrated, my body still knows what it needs to do. Like, I remember when we were playing, we played, one of the games we played is like a D-Day rush, right? So we start on one side and there's a bunch of trenches and the D-Day bunker is on top of a hill at the other side. And normally it's a bit of a massacre, right? You just run across this open field and just get, get schwacked along the way, but you have numbers, so you eventually make your, make it away. Like, that's sort of the the mentality behind the game. And I remember- a like great day ender, because, you know, charge into the machine guns. <laughs> yeah, really. And you get tired and all this kind of stuff. Even the day, the game we played before, the rush game. Like, I remember, I'm just frustrated because my rifle is not doing what I needed to do, right? I just can't get the rounds on target. I can't get the hits that I want. And the thing is, though, it didn't stop me from 
operating on the field in the way that I needed to. Because I have all of this muscle memory as backup, right? I distinctly remember I was on the D-Day field. I was hiding behind the Jeep. I looked over. I saw John. John is shooting. He wants to move. So I'm coming out of cover and I'm starting to hose, provide all this suppressive fire downrange. My shots are going all over the place. I don't really care. I'm just putting fire down because I know that John needs me to put fire down so that he can move. And he gets to the trench and I hear his gun go and I'm moving, right? I'm not even thinking about it even, right? I'm just like, I'm pissed off. I'm not enjoying myself, but I'm going through all of these motions anyway, because that is just what I'm accustomed to, right? You can hear Phil going grr in between shots. <laughs> yeah, like, and, and I think that's one of the things that's important about all of this too, is that like, it's not that I didn't, I don't enjoy airsoft. It's not that I'm frustrated with airsoft. It's just, I'm frustrated in the moment, but I've got all of this experience that is pushing me to keep going in the sense of it will take over my sort of my muscle memory, right? And we talked about this ready, many times. Ready ups are good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> well, yeah, we talked about this in the past many times, but it's the whole idea of you do ready ups, you do all of these drills so that it becomes ingrained into your subconscious so that your body just does it. You don't really have to think about it. And your active memory can be focused on, yeah, how much your rifle sucks and how much you hate this and how frustrating this is. But when it comes to actually putting rounds on target, it's just doing that anyway. You're bringing the rifle up on target. You're flicking the rifle off safe. You're pulling the trigger. You're putting rounds on target. You're doing all of this. And meanwhile, your brain is going, Bleh, this sucks. I hate this. I hate every part of this. This is so frustrating. But you're doing all these things. And as soon as you you hit, uh, as soon as you hear John start to shoot, you're like, okay, I got to move. And your body just goes. You're like, oh, this sucks. My rifle sucks, blah, blah, blah. But guess what? You're just advanced like 15 feet or whatever. And you just do this over and over. So that's a huge part of why we spend so much time training and focusing and working on our personal skills so that you can still do all of these things regardless of the potential mental state that you're in, right? Phil on autopilot remains effective. And that's really important. I mean, it's really important because you're going to play games, especially if you decide to get involved in like longer, uh, you know, like milsim games, operation games that are multi-hour. You might be playing for six hours, 12 hours, even 24 hours. Your morale is going to wane, right? You may be in a position where you're like, oh, this sucks or I don't like this or whatever. But if you don't have the muscle memory and sort of the discipline to just get up and go, regardless of the situation that you're in, you're just not going to be very effective. And I mean, it, it tracks back to one of the things that we've learned in some of the longer Milsim games we've played too, right? That at the end of the day, the, uh, the late game pack of Skittles uh, and the fact that Pat's stubborn and will just keep going regardless of how tired he is and that Chris and Phil will do exactly the same thing and Johnny and all of us means that, yeah, when, when the last objective of the day has to be taken, you can pretty well rely on our team to give it our all yeah. right um and it's just you know it's a mixture of that we were experienced players we've practiced this a lot you know i i can be stumbling tired uh and still yeah move cover move cover move cover yeah, yeah sure no problem yeah absolutely right? I, I don't need uh the entire higher function of my brain <laughs> to operate for that right um and yeah the ready-ups mean uh, bring rifle up oh there's a guy gone down carry on yeah and like i definitely had some misses yesterday that were like I, I the first game we played i had a couple of misses that were like man i had him dead to rights and i did not zero this site properly before we started mm. yeah it's it's still 
the muscle memory still works well, right? I, I saw him. I had the drop on him. I hit him. I didn't hit him with the first round. If I'd tuned everything up right, could I have? Probably. But, you know, as Phil was alluding to earlier, in, in a pinch, third round will do. <laughs> yeah. So, guys, hopefully you found this bit of a, a rambling conversation helpful. I think it, it's really important to keep reminding yourselves when you're testing stuff on the field, you have to have the right expectations. And you also want to make sure that you have sort of the right background behind you in the sense of having the muscle memory and stuff to carry through, even in situations where... Um, you might not be having the most fun that you still do the things that your team requires you to do uh, still supporting the team in the ways that are meaningful and helpful uh and ultimately at the end of the day that you don't let you know your discouragement sort of ruin your overall fun um of the of the sport in general and i mean yeah i did not uh, like if i'm being completely honest with you i didn't really have a whole lot of fun when you played on Saturday. That's okay. Does that mean that I'm going to quit? No, because I know that I enjoy it. It's just Saturday was frustrating. I put that in perspective and I move on, right? So just something for you to carry around and think about sort of as you're, if you're ever experiencing some some more frustrating situations uh, on the field. My last word on what we were just talking about, try new stuff. Um, experimenting is fun. You know, I had a blast with the HPA gun. Uh, I had to quote uh, Stefan and Johnny, uh, a shit-eating grin for most of the day. <laughs> yep, yep, it's true. Um, it, it's it's a really cool toy, and I, I don't have any regrets so far. Um, and, you know, the LMG, I definitely, I don't feel like it's where I want my LMG to be, so more tinkering is going to have to happen in that regard. Um, and I'm still not convinced that it will ever beat out my, uh, my primary rifle, whether it's the HPA M27 or the... Uh, AUG, you know, longer M4, but, you know, uh, variety is the spice of life, you know, um, and there are a few game modes where fully automatic fire is completely fine at frontline, where there are a lot of choke points, and I can see it being a real nightmare for the opposing team, so I'm going to continue playing around with it for the next little while. Mm-hmm. Guys, before we close it out, just one final word. Uh, we do have a merch store on YouTube. If you haven't checked it out, you definitely should. We added a whole bunch of new items recently, including some t-shirts. Uh, I think we have a couple of hoodies and we have some Collier Hits stickers as well. Um, so you should check that out if that's one way that you can support the channel. Um, you can be like Pat and put a sticker on your HPA uh, tank. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but definitely check it out if you're interested. Uh, the link is the... Um, the merch store should be linked directly uh, into your YouTube, but I will also include a link, link in the description. As always as well, if you want to keep the conversation going with us, the best place to do that is on Discord. Uh, we have new people joining the Discord almost every single day from different parts of the world, including, you know, most recently from people from Mexico. We have some people from the United Kingdom. We have some people from Scandinavia, from Finland. So definitely come check us out on Discord. Engage in the conversation. We would love to have you part of our community. But until that time... Um, that's all we really have for you today. Uh, so thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks guys. Have a great week.